As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to Killer Queens. Or KQ if you're nasty. Welcome to the show where two 90s-loving country chicks gab about true crime and tell each other to talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. I'm Torella. And I'm Tori. And we're sisters who have always loved true crime and decided to turn that obsession into a show with a light take on the topic. Kind of like diet true crime, it's all the flavor of fewer calories. Mm. Now with our show, you'll get true crime, 90s nostalgia, and a few four-letter words sprinkled in. Because I always say that Polly Pockets and true crime go together like peas and carrots. Be sure to check out our case submission form on our website at killerqueenspodcast.com and follow us on social media and YouTube. Now grab your Sunny D, your Gushers, and your Thai Beanie Baby, and let's get into the episode. This week's bonus episode is actually the first in a series that we are covering on our Patreon. So we call the series Doc Jams, and it's a show where we go episode by episode and recap documentaries that y'all ask us to cover. So at the time of this recording, we are currently releasing episodes of this series weekly, and we are releasing episode three this Friday. So we are gifting you episode one. And if you want the rest of the series, head to our Patreon and join at the $10 level or higher. But you won't just get Keep Sweet. You'll also get all of our episodes ad-free, all of our past murder mixtape, which is over 150 of those, all of our past doc jams, including The Jinx, Innocence Files, Don't Fuck With Cats, Lula Rich, Tinder Swindler, Worst Roommate Ever, and more. And our next series is Most Hated Man on the Internet, and you will not want to miss this. So we just wanted to give you a little context about this episode and why you'll only see part one unless you join us over at patreon.com slash killerqueenspod. We hope that you like our complete and total roasting of Warren Jeffs. Lordy, lordy. Cats are peeing. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't really sure because we're not 40. No. It's not a 40-something episode, so yeah. Good. Okay. Nifty, nifty. Torella's not no. 50. Exactly. No. Felt like Lordy Lordy was appropriate because of all of the... The Lord. Yeah. All of the Lorden. Exactly. Um, y'all, it's keep sweet, pray and obey. Pray and obey. Four episodes of pure insanity. Here's something that I think is quite insane. Uh-huh. I don't think you're going to be ready for it, and I don't think they're going to see it coming. Um, but you might agree. Okay. Calling Creek a crick. 
like that's pretty common here. Eh, I've not heard it. I don't say it, but... You've never heard it called a crick? I've definitely heard it called a crick. I don't hear it often. Oh, I think it but just I don't depends have, on who you're talking to. Well, sure, but I don't have lots of conversations about creek either, so. Correct, yeah. It's just something that I take personal issue with. Mm, that's personal issues. Yeah, it's personal issues. I mean. Like I tell, which I don't want to talk about. Exactly. Issues. Our dream, we found a house that we really wanted to buy that had a creek behind it. And it was so beautiful. And it was like just outside of our budget, which was not a problem for me. I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, figure it out. But Andrew was like, you know, budget. Did you you add a creek budget? That changes things. Do you know what I mean? It does change things. Yeah, exactly. So um, we ended up not buying the house, but had we bought the house, it would have been fun to call it the creek. Be like, hey, kids, go out there and wash the creek. You don't even have to have a water bill anymore if you have a creek. See, and that is how you bring it back into the budget. Exactly. I didn't even think of that then. God. Right? Even though That neighborhood didn't are... have a pool, though, so. Well, but you got but a the crick. crick. But the crick. I mean, you know, there we go. It changes it's, it again. It's the world's community pool. Exactly. All right. Yeah. I think we're done with that part. Okay. So, um, keep sweet, pray, and obey. It's on Netflix. Should you want to watch it, we do have some trigger warnings. We've got references of religious manipulation slash cult practices. This is big fat occult. Sexual abuse, including minors and domestic abuse. Yuck. And dirty old men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here is an overview of this episode. Ruland Jeff's family members and ex-wives discuss life in the fundamentalist Church of... Mm-hmm. I knew it. Wow. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I was struggling on fundamentalist, and I don't know why. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a slow fall. Yes. It yes. was like in um, my favorite one at one, a dog park, of course, and America's Funniest Home Videos. Dog park is my oh. number one favorite. But the second favorite is when they do the skiing ones, and people just fall and fall and fall forever. It's interesting that those are your favorites when you have... Had it doesn't trigger two me. serious foot injuries at both of those places. Correct. Wow. Yeah. You got trampled correct. by a herd of dogs at the dog park. <laughs> <laughs> got your My your ass cakes. flew up 20 feet in the air. <laughs> yes. You busted them cakes and you, you popped something in your foot. I think I broke my foot then. I'm telling you it broke. It swole up like eight times its size. I couldn't put any weight on it. And do you, and I cried. I waited to cry until we weren't around people because I was so embarrassed. Everybody's like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And it's then like, we left and I was like, part sweet. Yes, it's equal part sweet when people check on you, but it's Quit also like, just talk about it, don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about it, it yeah. anymore. And then we get to the car and my foot was so big and it hurt so bad. And I was crying and Andrew was like, it's not that bad. I was like, Yes, it is. So I made him drop me off at Dad's. I remember. Because Dad cares. Exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dad, Dad was cares. like, you put your feet up and let me get you some eyes. Like, thank you. Yes. And my foot still is wonky looking. Well, because you keep on fucking breaking it, doing shit. Well, that's the other foot. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. But what you did was all of that. <laughs> God. This is going to be a nine hour this long episode. Because we can't episode. stop. Okay. Can't shut all right. Up. Let okay. me just take it from the top. Go ahead, go ahead. 
Rule and Jeff's family members and ex-wives discuss life in the fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the role of polygamy. Now, to be fair, that's a long title for a church or a religion. Mm-hmm. Fundamentalist yes. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's just, it's yeah, a lot. It's too many mouthful. words. Too many yeah. words. Yeah. And thanks to Olivia for writing this up. Oh my gosh. We love you and your precious almost born baby. I know. I wonder if by this time, if this little nugget will be here. I sure hope so. Maybe we I should do a segment in every right. episode moving forward where we're just like, hey, baby. <laughs> just in case he's listening. <laughs> exactly. Get a little too much. All right. So we start with some on-screen text and already I'm pissed. Yep. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. May I, I'm just going to do this because everybody who like all of these organizations and like a lot of Christians and whatever make a big deal about Ephesians 5, And it's, there it is. There it is. That's fine. They make it sound like if you're a Christian, you have to do whatever your husband tells you because it says you have to be submissive. You have to submit to your husband. You have to do whatever it is that he says because it says so right here in the Bible. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And I went to a church one time where the guy quoted this verse and he said, and you know what that means? That means if my wife is going to go make a birthday cake for somebody at church, you better believe she's making me a cake too. Because I I can't, I can't ha- handle somebody else having a cake and I, and I don't get a cake. So she makes both of us a cake. <laughs> and people are like, amen. I'm like, okay, that's not what this means. So just before Ephesians 5.22 is Ephesians 5.21, and it says, submit yourselves to one another because of your reverence in Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband has authority over his wife, just as Christ has authority over the church, and Christ is himself the savior of the church's body. And so wives must submit completely to their husbands, just as the church submits itself to Christ. He's not done. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. Remember, Jesus died for the church. He did this to dedicate the church to God by his word after making it clean by washing it in water. It goes on and on. Men ought to love their wives just as they love their own bodies. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So see how that doesn't just mean women just do whatever men say? There's never the context added and it makes me so mad. Yeah. I personally wasn't listening. I was like, I hear you. I hear that, brother. Thank you. I like that. I'm going to do whatever any man tells me to do because that's what we're supposed to do. Okay, thanks for listening. Huh? Oh, we should probably add incest. Oh, yeah. Because listen to this. When I was 14 years old, they forced me to marry my cousin. I asked Warren, begged him, please don't make me get married. And he said, do you believe that you know better than the prophet? That if you're questioning me, you're questioning God. Warren Jeffs is the leader of a secretive religious cult called the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Known as FLDS. It's a far offshoot of the Mormon church and supports the practice of polygamy. The more wives, the more children you have, the higher in heaven you'll be. We were so scared, you know? 
never going to be condemned to hell if we did anything different. You have to submit yourself. Because it was for our salvation. You did whatever it took, even if it was wrong. You just did it. Please don't make me marry my cousin. Why do you have to say that out loud? Yeah. 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 You really shouldn't have to. Yeah. You shouldn't have to. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, yeah, we we start, this is before the credits, but we start with multiple people talking about Warren Jeffs and his FLDS cult. And then um, a man starts talking about the moment he knew he was done with the church was when he saw a photo of Warren Jeffs kissing a child. And we see the photo of him holding a little girl and kissing her right square on the mouth. And we see footage of a woman during a press conference where she says that she followed her heart and told the truth. And someone says that to stand up against a multi-million dollar church is to go against an entire lifetime of being conditioned on what to believe and fear. And the same woman from the press conference talks about other members of the church asking her why she wasn't being obedient to the church when she was going against the church. And the man who says he was done with the church when he saw Jeff Warren Jeffs kissing the young girl says that the hardest part is getting away from the church. And another woman says that eventually everyone will come around and see the light and wonder what the fuck. Accurate. Yeah. All right. So we're at 4th of July, Salt Lake City, 1991. This is the Wall family 4th of July. And we see footage of like women setting up tables outside for a 4th of July celebration. You know, they're talking about how what a happy day it is. And we meet Rebecca Wall, who says that even though she grew up in the United States, she knew that her family was different. They dressed differently from other people around them. They were taught that they were the one and only, quote, true people of God on the face of the earth. They believed in polygamy, which they referred to as plural marriage. We also meet Alyssa Wall, who says that for those of them that remember their lives before Warren Jeffs came along, they remember having good times with the people who worked together and cared about each other to grow the FLDS community. She was among the younger kids in the community. And while she's talking, we see footage of young girls dressed in a very old-fashioned way. I mean, they are like the Ingalls. Oh, yeah. Well, and I was watching it with Miss KB, who he was like, I thought you already watched this. And I was like, well, I know, but sometimes we like to refresh, okay? Mind your business. We were talking about their hairstyles in particular. And he was like, that's very 1800s. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. I mean, yes. It's And they all have the same damn hair. Yeah, he, well, Miss KB was like, it seems like somebody in that church really liked that hairstyle. And I was like, yeah, he must, somebody must have, he, I know it was a he, um, mm-hmm. it had to have been mm-hmm. ruling at this point. They all have the same one. Yes, every single one of them. But in the videos, they seem like they're happy and they seem like they're having fun. We'll get to that. Well, and and listen, I mean, you will think, well, you will have fun if it's all you know. Mm-hmm. If that's mm-hmm. the status quo. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, the name of this is Keep Sweet. <laughs> and we'll we'll definitely so, get to that. I have yeah. had the song stuck in my head all morning. I'll tell you Jesus. what. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yuck. I'm just going to put, well, we'll play it. But um, yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
She says that she was her mother's 11th child, but she doesn't recall exactly which number she was in like the whole family structure because there are there's more than one wife. So she doesn't know where she falls there, but she's her mom's 11th. Holy shit. Yeah, but she's like maybe 19th, I think. Yeah, she thinks maybe 19th in the Wall family tree total. Her father, Lloyd Wall, had two wives. Her mom, Sharon, was his second wife. And Myrna was his first wife. And we actually meet Myrna and Lloyd, who appear to still be together. They're, yes. That's she's better not what I was expecting. I yeah. So she said that Lloyd and, was her high school I'm sorry, just something that Miss KB said. Because Lloyd doesn't say much Mm -mm. at all. Um, He says a few words. And finally, when he does speak, because Myrna does most of the speaking, which I think is is fine because I would rather hear from her point of view, honestly, about this specifically. But when he does say something, Miss KB goes, wow, I didn't even think he was real. I thought he was stuffed. Because he (laughs) he was like, man, he didn't say a lot, does he? And I was like, no, but I could not stop laughing because he was like, I thought he was stuffed. (laughs) he does kind of look like he's literally about to fall asleep yeah he looks sleepy so Myrna says Lloyd was her high school sweetheart and she was like I didn't know how I could share him with anyone else but she said she was able to wrap her mind around accepting another woman in her family my guess is that she did not have a fucking choice but Alyssa explains uh that her father was a convert And he was trying to figure out how to create his life in a way that he wasn't able to find in the mainstream Mormon church. And so the interviewer that's talking to them is like, it's unusual to convert to FLDS, right? Because most of the people that are in it were just born into it. Like, there's not usually people outside and be like, that's what I want to do. And so Lloyd and Myrna are both like, oh yeah, like you have to make a real commitment. It's very unusual to convert to it. In those days, it wasn't even called FLDS. When we joined, it was just called the Fundamentalists. In the valley baloney. In the valley They call themselves baloney. Fundamentalist Mormons. And they were forced out of mainstream Mormonism when the church outlawed polygamy over a hundred years ago. In the sky above me. My brother, he joined it. And he'd say, you guys, you're drinking skim milk. You really need to have the meat. There are a jillion polygamous groups. Yeah, there are. Around. A lot of them. But none of them were trying to adhere to fundamentalism like DFLDS. And that's what intrigued me. Okay, but none of them were trying to adhere to fundamentalism, and that's what intrigued me. Are we mm. just talking about more than one wife? I don't I mean that's the major yeah. difference, right? So like so he's like, I wanted another wife. That intrigued me. I mean, maybe that's not what he's saying, but like But what is he saying? Exactly. You know, could you like, imagine? Yeah. <laughs> no. I would like I don't know. I didn't grow up like this, but I just cannot imagine being like, hey, Andrew, who do you want to have sex with tonight? Me or your other wife? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Especially if, if, like you said, you didn't grow up in it. And then all of a sudden, whoever, whichever one of y'all decides that you want to join this religion. And then one of the stipulations is, 
in order to reach the highest level of heaven, you have to have multiple wives. I don't know. It's... Yeah, I'd be accidentally putting x lax in somebody's desserts. Oh. By accident. Oh. Well, you, you don't die from that, right? You just that. get the splats. I think so. Also, I saw okay. on Wedding Crashers, which has to be true, Visine, I think, works in water. Yes. Sure does. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper got the poop shoots, you know? He sure did. Yeah, he didn't die. Yeah, I'm not trying to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. I just want to mm-hmm. punish mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So a reporter says that the FLDS traced the practice of polygamy back to the first Mormon prophet, Joseph Smith. And we see a man saying that if someone wants to achieve, like we I just said, the highest degree of salvation, then they have to live as a polygamist. And Lloyd says that the way he understood the gospel, Christ wanted them to have plural wives. And one day at a Sunday meeting, the prophet pulled him aside and told him that Sharon belonged in his family and they needed to make that happen that night. And Myrna says the first time they had ever met each other, they got married. That was the first time they ever met. Mm-hmm. And they brought her She's home. like, we, we took her home that night. We took her I home know. that night. And I'm like, you talk about this like it's fond memories. Like, well, I, mean, I, don't, know. I don't know. But where, okay, where are we getting, where is Lloyd getting that I under, the way I understood the gospel is that, because he says Christ's whole thing was pl- to the end game was plural wives. Where and why? Where? Where? <laughs> like, it's just from Joseph Smith, right? Like, that's not, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I don't think that's anywhere in the Bible. And I've never, I've not been to every, I don't go to church every Sunday, right? Like, I, but I've been to church. I have never, not once heard no. anybody mention plural marriages no. at all. No. I don't get it. Well, here's the thing. I'm wondering if the reason for for plural marriages is A, S-E-X, and B, Uh lots of little fundamentalists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because what is the goal of a cult? To rack up those numbers. Exactly. Well, and anytime you have, I mean, look at um, Jonestown. Look at like, anytime you have a man who is running, like, he's got followers, like, something like this, what do they, what do we always see with them? They're like, oh, I need to have sex with everybody. Mm -hmm. Men need to have sex with everybody. Or I need to begin having sex with your children, your, like, you know, Mm-hmm. We see it in so many different. It's not just this your cult. wives. Your well, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, Tony Alamo. It's oh just God, yeah. yeah. Somehow these men, all of a sudden, in order to achieve a salvation for the group or whatever, they're like, "Well, you know what? I need to do is have sex with everybody. So start bringing me people to have sex with, and that's going to really, really, really help you guys. I'm doing it for you. It's a tough gig, but somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Like, why are we not like? Hang on. Doesn't this feel like he just wants to have sex with everybody? I mean, I that's, I don't know. That's what I'm hearing. Maybe I need to clean out these ears, but. I'm not blaming anybody who was born into this because there's, you wouldn't, you know, that's all you know, but it's just like, somebody had to start it. Yeah. And that blind faith is what gets them what they want, you know? Mm-hmm. So Sharon... Myrna's talking about this, right? Sharon had 14 children. Myrna had nine. So collectively, they were a family of 26. Good God. I know. Lloyd 
talks about those 30 years that they spent as a family. And he says that they were good years for him. But Myrna says that they were rocky. <laughs> Lloyd, he kind of laughs and he's like, you know, having two women in the same household was rocky. And no shit. We see, yeah, right. <laughs> we see footage of the children lined up and someone telling them that they have to go downstairs, uh, go pray downstairs. And Rebecca says that they were the downstairs kids. Sharon and her children slept downstairs in the house and Myrna's children were upstairs kids. And Rebecca says that they were very aware that plural marriage was illegal and that her father even lied on her birth certificate and filled in the name Lewis Wilson instead of Lloyd Wall. So her name was legally Rebecca Wilson. And Alyssa says that their family never really left the property to go to the movies, go to theme parks, anywhere else where a lot of people would gather. So they weren't exposed to much of the outside world since they kept to themselves. And as time went on, they all knew that the way they were living had to be hidden. So they stayed away from society even more. And that is another big thing with cult isolation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, they're, you know, they're telling their followers, well, we've got to stay hidden because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to attack our way of life. They're trying to take this away from us. Like we're doing the right thing and, you know, whatever. And they're, they just don't. Everyone else's enemies. Yes. Yeah. It's so sad. We meet Roger Houle, an attorney in Utah, who says that people can believe what they want, but the law in the United States is that polygamy is not a protected constitutional right, and therefore it is illegal. But he said it's hard to prove, and authorities and politicians aren't really interested in disrupting people's families, and he's like, it's usually not prosecuted. And he's like, and the thing is, like, polygamy is not the problem. The problem is the secondary crimes that occur in a religious society where men are in power, always, Mm -hmm. always. And he also said that he believes that most mainstream Mormons, such as himself, see the practice of polygamy as an embarrassment. Mm. All right, so now we kind of get back to FLDS. Wallace Jeffs, the quote, son of the prophet. So, okay, Wallace is one of Rulon's sons. And he seems to um, understand what's going on here. So he says the men in FLDS regarded the women as their personal possessions instead of actual human beings. And he appears to have like a farm or something where um, he's got cattle, he's got livestock and stuff. And he's like, they just kind of view them as cattle, just another number, basically. You own them. That's what that's what they're there for. Well, um, we'll get into that with how many wives Rulon had. Oh Are you going to continue yes. to call him Rulon? Because I don't think I can handle it. That's what everybody said, Rulon. No, they did not. They said Uncle Rulon. Some of them said Rulon. Some of them said Rulon. Nobody said Rulon. Well, then maybe I It's did. not Elon. Should be. Okay. So he <laughs> said, when your mom and dad, like, you know, tell you that, and, and he kind of put emphasis on mother too. He's like, you know, we were taught this stuff from both of our parents. It wasn't just the fathers teaching this. The women fully believed this and they taught it too. But he said, we were taught that in order to get, like you said, to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, you have to have at least three wives. And if you if you don't at any point have at least three wives, then like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? You're a mess. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're not gonna reach the highest degree. Now, What does the highest degree get you? Well, that gives you the ability to have spirit children. You can create your own worlds, your own galaxies, your own universes. You essentially become a god. And then the interviewer says, 
Well, what happens to the women? Do they get their own universes? And he laughs and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Nobody uh, ever asked that question. Uh, It's kind of a gray area. They didn't teach us anything about what happens to women after. It pretty much doesn't matter. You just, just you're just a wife. Yeah. You get to be a wife. Is that not enough? Hmm. Like, and again, he's, he's not of this belief, at least anymore, but he's just like, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Like, obviously. We see a home video of the girls singing about their dad being American-made. Hmm. They're like, my dad is American-made. He's got strong working hands and everything about him is amazing. Like, it's so awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look, I'm a proud American. Are you proud to be an American? We're at least I know I'm free. Yes. My favorite song, yeah. Sure. Could you imagine us being little and dad being like, sing about me now? (laughs) No. No. It's so weird. Well, and history has shown me that Terrell is not really into group singing like that. No, in no, unison? No, no. I mean, I, no, well, in, I was in choir. Well, true. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't you, believe in musicals. Singing in unison is not your cup of tea. And there were quite mm-hmm. a few young ladies singing about how their dad was American-made. Yeah, it was not enjoyable for me. It wasn't my favorite song, I'll say that. Yeah. So Rebecca says that the men's status symbol was how many wives he had. So basically, like, Translate that to, you know, I don't know, around here, how many Range Rovers you have. Sure. How many, what was that in that thing? How many um, CAT scan machines you have? (laughs) Do you remember that thing? Uh, Now I do. What was that? It was like a Ten Commandments thing, but it was like funny. Yes. Paul Rudd was was in it. It was like hilarious. Yes. It was that um, coveting thy neighbors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they like, instead the Joneses, of it being they like, had the- yeah, they had all these cat scan machines. They didn't have like nice cars or like a pool or like whatever. And so this guy became obsessed with just buying like many, many cat scan machines. Wasn't that the guy from Wet Hot American Party Summer Down. that was? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He was the Is one that was- Is he also in Party Down? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's so funny. He's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. It was really funny. So anyway, you had to have multiple wives. Okay. So whatever, whatever your thing is, cat scan yes. machine. I don't know what your thing is, but wives was their thing. But Rebecca's dad only had two wives. And he could not figure upsetting. out how to get of course it's upsetting. Why would you just want the measly little two wives? Yeah, that's not enough. But he could he couldn't figure out how to get to, to the third one. Sure as hell can't get to four or five. Yeah, and he couldn't understand it because he's like, you know, a successful man. He owned his own business. He was an engineer. He is, of course, doing all engineering stuff, giving up his time and expertise to the church because, I mean, this is, again, what cults do. They get free services from women and you're doing it for God. Yeah, skills. Yeah, so... I just thought it was very funny because I'm like, well, he's not a bad looking guy. I mean, if he wanted to get a third wife, he could probably get a third wife. But then I was like, oh, he doesn't have a, a say so in this. No, he has the to be told. Has to give it to him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm seeing. So 
he was just like super frustrated. But Rebecca was like, what he did have though was a host of daughters that he could give to other men. And she was like, when it came to women, the kind of general understanding between the men was like, you give me some, I'll give you some. Nobody ever said that out loud, but it was like, you give me a wife, I'll give you a wife. You give me a daughter, I'll give you a daughter. Gross. Gross. Oh my God. And I mean, no wonder why Wallace was like, it's kind of like cattle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not at yes. a, at a, like a stockyard where it's like, yeah, give me One two, dog, two cows, cows and I'll give you three cows. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Do them bowls and I'll give you six cows. It's just ridiculous. It is. So yeah, um, we see footage from a gathering where men are marching around and saluting to one man in particular. The marching is just phenomenal. Alyssa explains that in FLDS, they had one man who was the quote-unquote prophet, which meant that he was the representation of God on earth. And he is likened to being similar to what the Pope represents to the Catholic religion. And Alyssa explains that they were told that Rulin, Jeffs, their prophet would never die because he would be renewed to be young again. And they were told that he was able to know everything about them. (laughs) Sorry. If, if, if you were born, okay, yeah. And I understand the the sniggering because I'm fighting it back myself. Uh, but if if you were born into this, I understand. And I feel very badly that this yeah. was, you're brainwashed into thinking that this is true. Mm-hmm. If you have converted. I know, I just don't like, and you know, outside looking in, it's just like, but why do you think this guy is going to live forever? Like we heard that in the Alamo case. We heard that in, what was their names? Not Applebee's, Apple. Oh. um, Guy with the eyes. um, Oh, I know, I know who you're talking about. Apple White. Yeah, like it happens in so many other places. Yes, Heaven's Gate, but it's just like, no, he's not. He's he's a person. Dough and tea. Oh, yeah. Tea for two and two for tea. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, it just, I mean, this is, it just doesn't happen. Um, and he, he doesn't know everything about you. I mean, he might have spies to tell him everything about you, yeah. but he doesn't just But he's, he's supposed things. to know what you think. He's supposed to know what you feel. He knows all of your deepest, darkest desires that you've never shared with anybody. He can look at you and know everything that's happening in your brain. So you are because not to think about anything other than God's will. He's God on earth. Exactly. Exactly. So... Wallace says that the quote principal place or placement principle was the process of ruling Jeff's uh, that he would use to arrange the marriages instead of them dating their spouse to decide who they would marry. And Rebecca says that it was a big deal in their culture to bring a girl to the prophet when she was ready to be married. And the parents would do this by going to the prophet and saying, quote, here is my daughter, do with her as you will, whatever is God's will. So Rebecca is going to tell us about the day that she was handed over to the prophet. And so when I turned 19, my father, he brought me to ruling Jeff. (laughs) It had become known that there was a specific handshake that he would give to girls that would then later become his wife. And that day he shook my hand and he squeezed it three times. And it meant I was supposed to marry him. And my dad was so excited. For any man in the FLDS, to have their daughter marry into the prophet's family was a massive honor. 
And I think my dad felt like finally he was getting the respect that he was entitled to and that he deserved. But I was just like, ew. Roland Jeffs was 85 when I married him. And I was 19. So I got married. And then my father got his third wife. I mean, first of all, I think we should congratulate Lloyd. He finally got his third wife. Yeah. That's the real Well done, Lloyd. Yes. Mm -hmm. Whatever it takes. Exactly. And he's, oh my God, he's, how could you give your daughter, quote, give your daughter to an 85-year-old man? She's 19. Or she was 20. No, she was 19. 85 and 19. Mm Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. We meet Alicia Robach, who says that ever since she was a little girl, all she wanted to be was a good wife and raise a bunch of little kitties like everyone else was doing. And she said as soon as she was out of high school, she was always going to her father and being like, I want to be turned in. I want to be turned in, which meant she wanted to get married. And so finally, her parents took her to the prophet and Rulin was like, hey, why don't you marry me? And she was like, I was kind of shocked, but we got married that night. He was 86 years old, and she was his 23rd or 24th wife. I mean, who can keep track? And she said after their wedding ceremony, he gave her a huge kiss, and she said that she felt like she was being sucked in, mm. and she was just trying to pull away. He was very, like, um, Hoover vacuum cleaner, it seems like. Yep. Gross. Could you imagine? It's disgusting. Mm, no. And she's like, you know, as a little girl, you dream about your first kiss being magical, but there was nothing magical about this. This is her first kiss. She's, how old was she? 20 years old. She was 20. Uh-huh. He's 86. Disgusting. And she's supposed to be honored. Yes. Yes. Supposed to be honored. This is the highest honor you can achieve. And she's like, you know, we were not allowed to work. We were not allowed to go to school. Our only purpose was to be a wife to rule on Jeffs and to pray, to be obedient and adoring to him at all times. I'm gonna and of course, up. pop out all kinds of children for him. And I know she says on the wall in the dining room of Ruland's home were pictures of all the women who married him and in order. So every How single long night, is this dining geez, room? I know. So like every single night, every one of these women had to get in line in order in which they married him. And give him a good night kiss. It is such a long line because you have to be like, you know, in school where you were like, we had to line up in alphabetical order. And it's like, I know I'm after this person. I'm before this person. Like, I just need to get there. I don't well, sure. I can't remember and what number I can't, you know, like. The goal in crazy. school is to be the caboose. But in this line, you do not want to be the caboose. No, you do not. So they'd get in line and they had to give him a kiss goodnight every single fucking night. Every single night. And she was like, this line took so long and I hated kissing him after he'd kissed a bunch of other women. Well, sure. And she's like, oh my God, it's just a kiss. Why is it taking so long? Yeah, like why, like just go on. So she said when it was her turn to tell him goodnight one night, she went in and he said, you're going to stay with me for some lovemaking. Gross. Gross. Who calls Gross. it that? And she An didn't know what it meant. year old man. Yes. And she didn't know what it was. And she's like, I didn't know how babies were made. I thought that you made them when you kissed. Because that's all she knew about. She didn't know anything else. She's 20 years old. Dude, I know. And she that's, didn't know. that really hits home how 
little they were taught because that is something that I thought when I was, let's say, 10, 8. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because we came from a family. Miss KB was like, if you're old enough to ask, you're old enough to get an answer. A real yeah, I answer. I the hard way. I learned that oh, the hard way. Oh, we both did. Oh, yeah. 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 You don't watch Beethoven second and figure mm-hmm. out how to sneak puppies mm-hmm. into the house by asking your dad mm-hmm. how babies are made and him coming up with some nope. crazy story about a stork. And then you're like, I'm going to yeah. try it. And then you're like, oh, dear God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm, yeah. I'm finding it out. I, I didn't understand. I thought that scene was funny, but I guess I thought it was funny because she was sneaking the puppy. I don't know. I didn't understand why it was so funny. I didn't understand exactly funny what really happened. It up and yeah. Yeah. So when I asked dad the question, I thought he was going to tell me about the stork because I thought that's the answer. And then he told me about sex. And I was like, <laughs> my eyes were so big. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, old enough yeah. to ask or old enough to get an answer. And you know what? Now that I'm a parent, I'm going to follow the same rule. Because well, I, I mean, it's, you don't want to make sense. You, well, you don't want to have a 20 year old thinking that. Exactly. You, yeah. Here, okay, here's something, and I'm not trying to be whatever, but I'm just being like fucking honest here. I feel like if we, if you never told a group of children about sex, about anything, mm-hmm. I feel like boys would figure something out faster mm-hmm. than girls would because. I feel like our bodies, they're just obviously not made the same, but like boys get random boners. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like these girls had no idea. And of course they're not taught to explore their bodies. And of course they're not taught what they're, but if, if your whole goal is to make them basically be baby machines, wouldn't you teach them about having babies at least? Like you would think. It just doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't explain to them like how that happens if that's what you expect. That's the only thing you expect out of them. Even if, I mean, this is the least I could hope for is the wedding night. The mom be like, here's what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, that show The Great, when Catherine gets, yes, it's yes. the first episode when she gets there and she's mm-hmm. so excited about that night because she thinks it's going to be this great love affair and like all this stuff or whatever. And her um, servant in her room is like, you, you do know what's going to happen tonight, right? And she's like, yes, of course I know. My mom explained it to me. And then she like goes on this thing about how like the two souls become one and you watch the stars and you you weep even a little bit because of how beautiful it is. And like, <laughs> then then you lay together and you recite poems to each other and like all this stuff. And she's like, that's it, right? And <laughs> Mariel is like, um, yeah, pretty much. Okay, just make sure you know what to expect. <laughs> and then of course he comes in talking to his friend, has sex with her while he's still in conversation like, and then leaves. Four pumps like, and then, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and that's it. And she's just like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, All right. But anyway, so Alicia had no idea what was going to happen. She didn't know what lovemaking was. And so she's like, I didn't expect him to ever touch me physically. I thought kissing was as far as it was ever going to go, right? As one would hope, yes. Yeah. So Alicia says, you know, she got undressed. She had to go to his bedroom. And Rebecca recalls him rolling on top of her and just instructing her to spread her legs. And she's like, I was so confused because we were told all of our lives that this was bad behavior. Like anything that they did know about sex was that it was 
it was horrible. It was a sin, you know, like you're not allowed to do this. And she's like, so I didn't, I couldn't understand it happening at all, but I also couldn't understand the prophet of God doing this to me because I thought this was, we weren't supposed to do it. You know, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I cannot. And Alicia is like, so of course he obviously immediately falls asleep. Of course. I can't believe his ticker allowed it to happen. I know. And she said, then he started elbowing her a few minutes later. And he's like, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. And he's 86 fucking years old. So he can't get there by himself, really. So she's like helping him get up, trying to get him to the bathroom. He doesn't make it. And she's like, and that's when I was introduced to the blow dryer. So they would have to dry him off with a blow dryer and get him cleaned up because he had so many accidents because he's very old. One time, Alicia said she accidentally stepped on his oxygen cord. It yanked at his face. He got pretty pissed about that. Rebecca says she finally got like the idea to, she's like, I knew he was tired. He's old as hell, right? So she's like, he'd get into bed. I'd rub his feet. I'd do whatever I could to make him fall asleep. Because if he fell asleep first, I didn't have to have sex with him. She's like, I did everything I could to avoid having sex with him. And it worked for a while until it didn't. Cheap, sweet, no matter what. That's the road to perfection. Keep sweet was Ruland saying to the people, keep sweet no matter what. And for heaven's sakes, keep sweet is what he would always say. Everybody had little stickers, keep sweet, keep sweet, keep sweet. And he had shoes that had keep sweet on the bottoms of his shoes. (laughs) I thought that was pretty cute. It meant to be in control of your emotions, and you didn't display things like anger or resentment or frustration, especially towards the fathers and husbands. Keep sweet no matter what. And it became more and more drilled into us, the keep sweet. So the keep sweet on the shoes is pretty cute. Oh, I thought that was pretty cute. Um, It's not pretty cute. It's fucking weird. And also, I hate, we're going to hear, I'm sure, um, Warren Jeffs speak. Mm -hmm. Rulin and Warren have creepy-ass voices. Oh, my God. Warren, I would say more so, but still. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. But still. It's awful. It's just weird, man. Like, it's, ugh. Mm-hmm. So we meet Charlene Jeffs, and she's actually the one in the beginning that's like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. But she says that Warren was actually the main pro- uh, proponent of Keep Sweet over Rulin. And Wallace, Warren's brother, says that Warren is eight years older than him. And then he's like, no, 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 hang on. Oh, no, he's six years older than me. And Ms. But Katie why can't like, he remember? Because there are 97... <laughs> He's older than me and he's not younger. So he's somewhere in that. I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, Miss KB was convinced that Wallace was older and he was like, no, he's not. He's not. Warren's not older than Wallace. And I was like, no, he just said, he just said that Warren is six years older than him. And he was like, I don't believe it. But I don't know. But yeah, no, he had, he had, I know. He had 62 siblings. 
32 brothers and 30 sisters. 62. Now, but Ruland did have, what, 24, 25 wives? Uh, no. More than that. We'll get did there. More? Oh, that's oh right. Oh, my right. God, yes. Because um, honestly, yes. that's... That's... Considering how many wives he had, that's a fairly low amount of siblings, don't you think? I mean, yeah. Once you do okay. long division. I don't do math. I'm too pretty to do I don't math. Either. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a small number once you get right down to it. Yeah, I don't. But I mean, I'm sure that was because he was marrying people into his 80s and he was no longer able to have children anymore. Like, Well, and I mean, God, can you imagine if you had that many wives? And how do you, well, I was going to say, how do you even get give everybody enough time to even, but it doesn't take much. No. Just a dab will no. do you. Mm -hmm. Because we're certainly not interested in a woman getting anything out of this. (laughs) Now, let's be honest. Um, Do you think that any of those women wanted it to be longer than... Exactly. They were probably like, thank God, get out of here. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so he said that he didn't know all of them when he was growing up because some sisters had grown up and gotten married before he even knew who they were. And... Marilyn, um, they called her mother Marilyn, was Warren's mother. And she pushed her sons to be close to their dad to ensure that they would be the successors in leadership of the church after their father. She's not playing around. She's no, like, she I know not. I know what my end game is here. Yeah. She's like, sons, you better get in the fucking game. You better exactly. stay in there. <laughs> she's like a stage mom, but for mm-hmm. her, I don't know. So anyway, yeah. Probably, it, yes. This, yes. If the interviewer asked if Mother Marilyn was especially close to Lauren, he says that she felt that Lauren was special because he was born eight weeks premature, so he was, quote, close to death at birth, and previous prophets came to her and said that he would survive and be a very special person. That could mean so many different things, but okay. Sure. And also, no, they did not. But their father also believed the same thing, and Warren always had a holier-than-thou attitude and came across abrasively. Plus, he's goofy as hell looking. And mm-hmm. this mother effer, well, he was effing everybody, so it wasn't just mothers, but he. Oh my loved, God, he's motherfucker Jones. He is motherfucker Jones. <laughs> I slipped my hand. <laughs> While she was sleeping, I slipped my hand into her. And they're like, oh. <laughs> oh, her purse. Okay. Thank God. Oh, motherfucker Jones. Yes. But now, as someone who loves to sing but can't really do it, I don't see that I'm much like, I hope, that I'm not as bad as Warren. Warren loved to sing, but good God in heaven, the singing. At least when I sing, it's like a couple couple lines. He sings whole songs and he's so bad at it. He sings whole songs. I, I submit to you, he can carry a tune. Sure. It's creepy sounding. That's what I'm, I mean, I'm but just for, saying. Yeah, for what they're going for, he's got it. You know what I mean? Yep. He's got I just, it. I think that's bad. It, oh, I don't bad. like it. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. So Rebecca says that she doesn't always, or she doesn't think that he was very well liked because he was the awkward son of a powerful man. And we see footage of him awkwardly singing when she's talking about him. And I'm like, oh God, somebody make it stop. Somebody make it stop. Mm-hmm. But she says in comparison to his brothers, he didn't seem to stand out besides that he was smart. And she didn't think that he saw that he would eventually be the man in power, but he had a keen ability of learning the best ways to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. And the, 
the the interviewer. The interviewer asked Warren, no, asked Wallace when he began to see the signs of what Warren would become when he grew up. And he explains that when he was 16, Warren began getting uncomfortably cozy with the sisters of the family. And the brothers started to notice and to report to their father. And their father just told him to drop it and not to talk about it because he was handling it. And he's talking about his own sisters. Mm-hmm. I mean, <sighs> there's 30 of them to choose from, apparently. So, sure. But like, there's also 67 daughters in every other family around you. So could you not pick a daughter that isn't your fucking father's daughter? Like, well, and also... You are basically FLDS royalty, so you could pick anybody that you wanted. He's like, nah. I'll have sister whatever. Yeah, that's just so weird. Um, So Roger discusses how the Jeffs family operated the Alta Academy, which was a chorus program. The good ship. Lollipop. How do they even know the song? I know. If they're not allowed to watch Shirley Temple. Exactly. So it was a chorus program that trained and educated the FLDS community in the ways that they were expected to behave as members of FLDS. So religious content was embedded in everything they did. And of course, some things were omitted. Wallace says his father didn't want the world's teachings for his children. Instead, he wanted them to learn the priesthood teachings. And he's like, somebody had to be the principal. So Rulon pushed Warren into being the principal, which I feel like it didn't take that much pushing. <laughs> and this was the beginning of him being molded into what their father wanted him to become in the long run. And as soon as he became the principal, I mean, he was like the hall monitor who was like exploiting all the power he had, you know, like mm-hmm. he immediately had this like attitude and he was the boss and everybody had to obey him at any cost, and, like all this stuff. And Alyssa says that Warren would always say perfect obedience is led by a hair, which I hate hair. It really grosses me out. (laughs) Like I can't clean out a drain. I'll barf. Like if I get a hair in my, I can't even talk about it. So this was especially disgusting for me. But what she says, what he meant by that was say you're you know, leading somebody or whatever around and you're pulling them by just one single solitary hair, which is just disgusting. You want me to explain? (laughs) But if they move at all, if they stray from what you're telling them to do, they're going to pop that teeny little bitty hair. So you have to be perfect. You have to be super obedient. Yes. And have absolutely no resistance. And Rebecca says in the early days of the Alta Academy, they did have books from the outside world. And her favorites were the Encyclopedia Brown and Nancy Drew books. And she said, I just thought Nancy Drew was so clever and I wanted to be clever like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually they took all of the outsider books away unless they were approved by Warren, which essentially none of them were. And they would literally cut out, like take a razor and razor out full sections of their like science books. Anything that had to do with human reproduction Gone. Uh, Solar system, gone. Well, of course, solar system had to go because how are they going to be like, you're going to have your own solar system when you get Yeah, because it's like, hang on, don't we... Wouldn't scientists be able to see whose solar system... Like, yeah, they're just like, nope, it's all about the sea, less steel kingdom. Um, He also 
created a book Mm. called Purity in the New and Everlasting Covenant of Marriage, and all women were required to study it. And he created this specifically for women that he would teach them. He taught them how to be a woman in marriage. You know what? Curiosity is almost going to kill the cat because part of me is like, I kind of want to read it. I just want to, what I want to do is I want to make myself mad. Mm-hmm. That's what I want well, to do. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, remember in Lula Rich, Deanne mm-hmm. said her mom wrote that book about oh, how to yes. get a man interested in you or something like that. And she's oh, like, yes. you know, pretend like you can't lift heavy things and be like, what? Who am I if a big, strong man like you doesn't help me? I'm like, ugh. I know you're playing a part, but you did it so damn well. It's disgusting. I don't believe in women's rights. I, I hope that's clear. <laughs> It's very clear. Message received. Gross. I just, yeah, I'm interested to see what's in it too, actually. Um, But it essentially taught them that they couldn't think or do anything unless it was the prophet's will. They couldn't think about anything else. They weren't allowed to um, have crushes on people. They weren't allowed to be interested in other people, like all that stuff. This is the problem with false prophets. I just don't understand because who's in power? Who has the most power? Who Who gets to do everything? say what goes and what doesn't go and who gets to marry who and have sex with who and kiss who, you know. Yeah. And then as humans, we are selfish. We are self-serving. We, mm-hmm. you know, are you Yeah, seriously? who benefits from all of it? Exactly. He's got more money than anybody else in this compound. He mm-hmm. has all these wives. He's having sex with anybody he wants to anytime he wants to. Like... Exactly. He's telling everybody, like, keep sweet. Do not Mm -hmm. complain. Yep. No complaining. No being upset. No asking questions. Of course he came up with keep sweet. Like, yeah, it just, oh my gosh. Yeah. Maybe you should keep sweet when somebody trips over your oxygen cord. That's true. Yeah. What about you keep sweet, dick? Alicia says that to even think about having a crush on somebody was not okay because that would cloud your judgment from what the book taught about the prophet's will. Your channel would get clogged, right? And then you wouldn't be able to like think about the prophet's will and it would just get clouded like all this stuff. Well, crushes do gum up the works. Well, sure they do. The interviewer was like, did you ever have a crush on a boy? And she said, oh yeah. I mean, I'm human, you know? And she's like, I even had a crush on a on a guy when I married Rulin. And she starts laughing though. And she's <laughs> like, I don't, he didn't catch it. His uh, Rulin's channel must've been clogged or something because he didn't figure it out. Like, of course he didn't because he doesn't it. know what you're thinking. She's I know, so I love her. I love it. Yeah. So on August 6, 1998, Rebecca recalls that Rulon was sitting on the sofa talking to them when he just slumped over all of a sudden like he fell asleep. And one of the other sister wives shook him. They all called him uh, father. 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 What's father. wrong? Father. What's wrong, father? And I could, came to like, an, could you imagine? No. That, Don't finish it. No. I know. How? That's so gross. No. I even get kind of weird. I understand it. Like if you're talking to your... It's saying like, hey, go ask dad. But if you're yeah. like, go ask daddy. Like, I don't know. That's just. Yeah, we have an aunt I don't know. that referred to her husband as daddy always. Mm. Not in a like porno kind of way, but like that's just, she always called him that and it was weird. Yeah. Daddy, what do you want to eat? Submissive and he would shake his mm-hmm. glass with ice in it to get her to refill it and stuff. It's Yeah, and she had like three jobs and he didn't, yeah. 
it's neither here nor there, but it kind of goes. But anyway, he comes to and he's very disoriented. And that's when they found out that he had a massive stroke. So they took him to the hospital. And when Alicia saw him afterwards, she said that he couldn't remember any of their names and he could barely walk, but he would just point his finger to her and be like, that's Nickel Fritz right there. That's the only thing I like about Rulon. Rulon. Snickle Fritz. Where'd you get that? That's funny. (laughs) Well, it is funny. And I think of Pineapple Express. (laughs) Remember when that guy comes to buy uh, weed and he's like, he's not getting the whatever. He's getting Snickle Fritz. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) that's why I just had such a fondness for Snickle Fritz. Sure you did. Um, Miss KB brought a good point up though. He was like, how the hell did he go to the hospital and nobody be like, what the hell are all these women coming to visit you for? Well, yeah. And did he really keep up with his wife's names before this? I don't know how he could have. I can barely keep my two children. Like, I'll be like, Ben, Jesse, whichever one you are. Like, yeah. it's just, you just say all the names. Sometimes I still <laughs> I think I've even heard names. Well, I was going to say, I think sometimes you've thrown in a dog's name too. So. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, whichever one you are. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and we're at what, 23 or 24 wives at this point? Like, come on, that we know of. Yeah. So now we're going to find out that things are going to take a turn because uh, Warren's going to step up. After Rulon's stroke, that's when things really took a turn. That's when Warren started taking over. Warren pretty much removed everybody out of Rulon's life. After the stroke, he said that Uncle Rulon needed to heal. From the time he had his stroke, Warren never left my father's side. He controlled everything that my father did, who saw my father. He controlled his appointments, controlled everything he did. Warren acted like it was Uncle Rulon telling him what to say. And yet, it wasn't. It wasn't Uncle Rulon. That's when Warren's teachings got so scary. The meetings were always just fire and damnation and Joseph Smith's dream of blood running down the gutters of the Salt Lake streets and things just pounded into our brains. What I hope is that Warren listened to Eminem's Lose Yourself before this Mm -hmm. happened. It's the only way to get yourself hyphy or stepping up to a cult leader position. Oh, sure. You're going to need to get real hyphy, especially if you're going to be telling people, you know, how uh, blood's going to run down the gutters of the Salt Lake streets. Sure. Especially if you, God, if the Olympics come. Oh, my God. No, not the Olympics. Not the Olympics. I know. So, basically, Warren was having all these revelations that the end of the world was coming soon. And um, this is so and she's classic like, cult. It's such I a classic know, cult. Move. I know. And she's like, look, we had been preparing for the end of the world for a long time because that's like one of the, you know, Mormon things is like time is short. Time is short. Like Mormons have been preparing for the end of the world for a really long time. That was not surprising. And they're not wrong. Time is short, but for yeah, your, your sure. life on earth, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they grew up thinking that any year could be the time when the whole world would catch on fire and then everyone would die in the fire. And so the only way to survive this was that a piece of earth would be lifted up and away from everything else that was on fire. And you could only be on that piece of earth if you were considered worthy. 
And so Alyssa was like, anyone who didn't subscribe to the FLDS belief would be completely wiped off the face of the earth so that it could be pure for the righteous ones. And then the Olympics come to Salt Lake City. No, not the Olympics. I mean, I can think of nothing worse ever happening, honestly. So Wallace is like, all right. In 2002, the Olympics came to Salt Lake City. And that's when things really got screwed up. And so Myrna was like, Warren had told us if the Olympics ever came to Salt Lake City, which why has he got the fucking Olympics stuck in his head? He had to have known... Because don't they announce like four years ahead of time, like where they're thinking about having it or like, he had to have known it was coming. Yeah, I don't know much about the Olympics. I've, I've never- I don't either. Olympic. I feel like in the news, it will kind of be thrown out, like maybe here or here, or like For next sure, Olympics okay. will be here. Like, I feel like he had to know it was coming because what are the fucking odds? Well, and he's got to have something to be like, see? Exactly. See you? Yeah. It's going to end- He was telling everybody, oh my gosh, if the Olympics ever come to Salt Lake City, we've got to get out of here because that's going to be the end of the world, okay? Like God told me or whatever, that it's going to be the end of the world, the Olympics come here. So then it's announced that the Olympics are coming there. And so he's like, hang on though, guys, I've already got a plan. We are going to go to Short Creek, which is what they refer to as the Creek. creek. And so it's this little area between, like it's on the border of Utah and Arizona. And Short Creek was kind of created when, like in the 1930s, when the fundamentalists were no longer part of the mainstream Mormon church. And they started to go out there and homestead. So they kind of created their own little area or whatever. And they think that this area is picked because it's super remote and just kind of easy to go off the grid or whatever. Um, So in 2002, Warren Jeffs told everybody, you have to do whatever you have to do. Sell your house, sell your business, get rid of all your furniture, but you got to move to Short Creek. That's where we're all going. And so they did. And Myrna was like, we had two houses. We sold them both. Um, People gave up their businesses and all this. And so... Short Creek was a, a community of like one to 2,000 people and it went to like eight to 10,000 when everybody had Can to move there. Uh, if you just I lived know. there already and you're yeah, like, be like the... there's so well, many Well, Nashville's kind of... <laughs> yeah, that's not, true. Not an influx that quickly, but still. Yeah. And Wallace is like, look, Warren knew that he had to get everybody in one isolated place so he could control them better. That's just, that's just the, the end of it. It's cult leader 101. Exactly. So everybody goes to Short Creek. They're waiting for the world to end. They're all terrified. And they waited and they waited and they waited. And of course, spoiler, it never happened. And Warren could not give an explanation for why the end of the world didn't happen like he said it would. So Wallace is like, I think he panicked. And he thought people are going to figure out that obviously I'm not telling the truth. So he said, oh, you guys, great news. Talk to God. Um, got him on the horn. And he, he said, said hey. that this was actually, yeah, he's to say, um, how you doing? And he was like, that was a test actually. And so he's going to grant us, graciously grant us a little more time. God wants you to be as righteous as humanly possible. So he's giving you more time uh, to be obedient. Mm. Good news. Right. And also tighten, tighten it up. Because yeah. we're not being as righteous and obedient as we can be. So get your shit yeah. together. And also you're doing it wrong. Yeah. 
Yes. So on the afternoon of September 7th, 2002, Warren called for all of his wives. I don't know what room is big enough for all the wives, but he called them yeah. all to come to sing to Rulin because he wasn't feeling well. So all of the wives gathered in his room. They started singing to Rulin as he was laying in bed. And Rebecca says that she'll never forget how gray and trans, like translucent he looked. Yeah. And the next day he passed away. And it was super confusing to them because they were like, well, hey, wait, wait, but he's not supposed to die. Mm-hmm. And they were always taught that the last prophet, that he was the last prophet that would bring them into the millennium. And that if they had faith, he would rise from the dead like Jesus did as a young man and give them all children. And Warren told the women that they all needed to wear white dresses for his funeral. So they had seamstresses working around the clock. Yeah. For two days to make all, here's a new um, number of wives that you haven't heard yet, for all 65 of the sister wives. I don't know exactly how old he was when he died, but if he was 86 when he married Alicia and she was like his 24th wife, Mm -hmm. he's had 40 more wives in like two years. Well, see, I was just doing standard math because I was like, all right, let's say that he stopped marrying people at 85, which we know it didn't happen, but still. Mm-hmm. And he started getting married at 20. He had to marry one wife every year, but that's not what happened. He would marry mm-hmm. multiple wives in, in a single I night. Say, in a night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just Can a, you imagine? That's just Good crazy. God. And, you know, I think Rebecca, she was like, it was just the sea of white. Like all you see mm-hmm. is just white, white, white. And Wallace says that the funeral was very somber and he felt more confused than sad because he didn't know what would happen now that the last prophet had died. And Alyssa said, any, you know, she thought any minute he would sit up from the casket and come alive. And when they closed the casket and put him in the ground, she wondered how he could possibly get out. And... Some of the followers that lived in Short Creek, they explained how they were confused. And, you know, Jeff advised um, one of them to just shelve it for the time being until someone explained what would happen. And Wallace says that his father's funeral was not complete or was completely controlled by Warren. He stood by the coffin the entire time during the viewing. He would not let any other son stand up there. So Warren's not the only son. There are, 30, as far as I can remember, 31 other, other sons or, yeah. Or 32 yeah. other sons. Yes, absolutely. He's not the only one but he's the only one allowed to be close to Roland, so. Yeah. The sisters can go fuck off. I mean, who? (laughs) They're women. Gross. People. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In the weeks after Roland's funeral, Warren was speaking as though he was, his father renewed. And his father had assumed his body and was still leading the people through Warren. And then it became, I am my father. Then one day, he was sitting in the office, and he said, real quiet, who do you think the next prophet is? And I I was a people pleaser, and I wanted to please him, and I basically said, I think you are. And he just beamed at me. A lot of people didn't see that. So yeah, he still had to convince people, but he couldn't come right out and say it. He couldn't come right out and say, I'm the next prophet. He had to make up a story to justify it. At the general meetings where everybody gathered, he would call on certain of Rulin's wives to come and tell what they dreamed of and who they felt like was the next prophet. He had people step to the pulpit and 
validate his claims that he was the new prophet and that we were to get behind him. Uh, okay. We hear audio of Warren calling up one of the sister wives, Naomi Jeffs. She's the 16th widow of Roland Jeffs. And she says that if they really believe in Uncle Rulin, which is another super gross thing to call him, because mm-hmm. she was one of his wives, but okay, and you're calling him Uncle Rulin and father, that they believe that Warren Jeffs is the prophet of God and she needs him to guide her. So he now he's just getting everybody to be like, I think it's you, I think it's you, I think it's you. <laughs> and Alyssa says that in hindsight, he was very smart and methodical in how he handled becoming the new leader of the FLDS church. They all became just a part of his machine that he used at his disposal in the religion. And Roger says that he purported to be the man to get them to heaven, so he made them believe that he was the only way for them to have eternal life, and it was unthinkable for them to make a mistake. So he takes over with thousands of followers, which he then manipulated in order to achieve money, power, and sex. And we end with Roger being like, and they ended up following Warren right off the cliff. Mm. Jeez. And this is where we end. That's the end of part one. Yeah. And there is on-screen text that says, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic abuse and needs help finding resources, visit www.wannatalkaboutit.com. So I think that's important. And I think that um, is a really awesome resource if someone should so need it. Yes. And um, we will see you next week for part two. Yeah. Get ready. And remember, as always, keep sweet. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't keep keep sweet. sweet. Keep keep mean, man. Just get real mean. Yeah. Yeah. Get spicy. But anyway, thank you so much. We love you. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.